Welcome back, everyone, to episode 66 of The Jake and Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Jake. This week, we're going to be diving back into a topic that we talked a little bit about last week, how to set realistic goals. We kind of went a little long last week and didn't really get to the (laughs) main topic of the episode. So we called that one like the intro episode, priming your brain to setting realistic goals. So now we're going to actually talk about uh, how to do so. Then we're going to get into how to create value in your time. And something that goes hand in hand with that is an idea called the two minute rule, which is something that I'm bringing to the table. So before all that, we're going to chat a little bit about our past week and things that we had going on. Jake, what'd you have going on? I've had a pretty great week, man. So in my personal life, I took a very important certification test this Friday that I passed. I took a like 12 practice tests in the last couple weeks to get myself ready for it. Yeah. And I ended up getting scoring pretty consistently about 90 or so, probably 88 to 93, and you needed only a 72 to pass the test. So I was pretty pumped. Uh, but then I get there, and the UI looks completely different, which is to be expected because yeah. it was a completely different company that did it one was the certification was the a plus certification from CompTIA, and i was practicing under test out so the content was similar but it looked different mm. and i got a ton of questions that i didn't get in my 12 practice <laughs> tests that's funny so i was nervous about that but it worked and is this certification something you needed for your degree or is it just something you were doing to have because i know you can do certifications just to do them right yeah so, well, the A-plus certification uh, means a lot, apparently, if you're going into IT. Yeah, I don't have it, and I really should. Yeah. My teacher, who is, this is his first semester, he's actually in charge of IT at KVCC. Yeah. Either either in charge of or, like, a very senior member. And he said that if they have a pile of IT applications, they're going to sort them by having the A-plus certification and not pretty much right away right so that made us all scared (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i it's something that i definitely need to get um you don't have to there's not really any prerequisites for it you can just take it. no you can just take it you just gotta pay for it right and if so if you aren't prepared for it and you fail then you've wasted the money Mm. do you think that without me doing any preparation for it do you think i could go in and pass i don't think so that's nothing against you it's you just think that I'm dumb. The, no. You think I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's weird because there'll be some questions like, oh, what is the most common peripheral interface? USB. Right. And then there'll be some questions that are very... Vague? Either vague or just very, very technical where you're not really going to encounter it very often, so you don't even think of it. You don't have any firsthand experience, ah, so okay. you're like, well, and you kind of narrow it down between two of the four options right. and, and go for it. I, but So is test out something that anyone can do? Test out is also something you have to pay for. Ah. But there's things like professormesser.com or something. He does free trainings and mm. things like that. I've seen a lot of people say that they studied for it and failed. I know our class, we were a group of us were talking and we're like, 
we pretty much unanimously decided that a max of five of us was going to pass the first half of this certification. Yeah. I'm hoping it's more. I'm thinking it might be a little bit more, but it's it's harder than you would think. But I will say that I think I have a huge advantage going into it at 28 years old as opposed to these 18 and 19-year-olds. Yeah. Because they'll ask questions about like Windows XP or Windows 7. Really weird things that I didn't even know I remembered. <laughs> and I got lucky. So yeah. I should... Uh... You, so you still have access to test out. I should try one of your practice exams just to oh, see yeah. how I could do. I'd be yeah, interested. Yeah, you totally should. To see how I can do at that. Well, I can't legally do that. A wink, wink. We were winking for those of you who uh, <laughs> can't see, which should be all of you. If you're seeing this, uh, <laughs> Get out of my house, where's man. the camera? <laughs> so that's just what I did, and I was really pumped about that. That's cool. The next half of the certification is going to be a little harder. Is the next half so. another test? Oh, it's a whole, yeah, it's the same exact format, but yeah. different questions. It's it's less about hardware and installation and troubleshooting and more about security uh, and then maintaining the system once it's built. Right. Anything else that you did this week or is that about it? Oh, your sleep schedule thing. Yes. How did that go this past week? Did you stick to it? I sure did. In fact, I'd say two or three of the last seven days, I was in bed before 10. Because my body just got so tired. I just got tired. And since I, w- I knew that I had to be in bed before 10, if I was tired at 930, then I might as well just go to bed. If you give yourself that ultimatum, then what can you do in that half an hour, you know, between 930 and 10? You could browse Reddit. Yeah, I didn't want to do that, though. Why? Because Your bedtime I wanted is 10. to... Enjoy that last 30 minutes. Yeah, I just wanted to experiment with this okay and it's hard to talk about i know cody was talking to us about this episode and he was talking about quantifiable results where you can actually give see a difference the only thing i can think of is my morning classes i had a really bad habit of just yawning nonstop, and i couldn't help it and looking around there was only one other person in my immediate vicinity that had the same issue Maybe it was just he was he didn't even have the issue. Your your yawns were just contagious. <laughs> I I actually foresaw you saying that, and the rebuttal is he sits in front of me. Oh, so he didn't see me. How do you know he's yawning then? Because Body I language? can see him because it's more of a diagonal in okay. front of you know All what right. I mean. Right. So I have been doing that a lot less. I only yawned in class once. That's wow. a boring stat, but there's a stat <laughs> it is a, for It is you. a change. I mean, if you were noticing that you're yawning a bunch yeah. every day in class and you're not now. So that means that I'm getting enough oxygen to my brain, which can also mean that I have enough sleep at night so I don't feel the need to lower my breathing rate. Mm. That's kind of a correlation. Okay. but So other than that, like, have you noticed that it's easier to get up? in the morning or has that not really changed it is easier to get up i'm having way less days where i snooze my alarm until the last possible second and then i forget things like my microphone on mondays or my gym bag or i run out of time and i can't even pack food things like that must be nice to wake up without needing your alarm to go off 15 times it is nice that's the struggle i deal with every day (laughs) my biggest struggle 
not really struggle, but um, issue was allowing myself to sleep because I've always hated that I needed a lot of sleep. Right. I That's what I struggle with. I hate needing sleep. I hate it. It's a yeah. waste of time. I know. I feel the same way. But after I keep experimenting with this for a while, several weeks, I want to see if it improves the time that I'm... Your I want to see if it improves. Hours. Yeah, my waking hours. That's exactly what I Does was going to say. make them better enough to justify, to justify getting more sleep. Exactly. Right. And I mean, I was getting six to seven hours regularly for years. Right. But now I'm getting eight, sometimes nine. You're old now. That's what's happening. Well, You're also, dating an old woman at heart. Yeah. She it actually helps because... 12 she, hours of sleep. She's in bed uh by by the way i know you're out there listening forgive me you're not an old lady (laughs) she will be in bed around eight o'clock but she has to wake up early she does she really does if it wasn't for that i don't think she'd be in bed quite so early well no because on the weekends and stuff or yeah she normally has wednesday off tuesday night she's not in bed by eight so it's definitely work related i mean what time does she have to get up like five five maybe even earlier yeah granted that is still like and she's very consistent nine or ten that's true she's never late she's never woken me up in a tizzy all freaking out about being late she's always on time so she has a consistent sleep schedule it's like 10 hours of sleep but that's what she needs and that's what is consistent for her right it works yeah if it works works yeah so how about you what did you do this week oh i went on a diet Really? Yes. I'm uh, trying to count my calories again. This is something that I have done uh, several times in the past, but it's normally only lasted for like two weeks at most. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I fall out of the habit and my eating habits go right back to the way they were before. Right. Um, But this time I'm telling myself, and that's one of the most important things you can do, that I'm going to stick with it this time and that I'm not just modifying my eating habits while I'm on this diet. I'm modifying my eating habits permanently. Uh, I was reading that that's like one of the biggest reasons that people don't keep weight off when they go on a diet and they lose it because they don't look at their dietary change as a permanent lifestyle. They look at it as a temporary fix to their problem, which is that they, they feel like they weigh too much. Right. So what tends to happen is that you lose the weight you want to lose and then you just go back to eating the exact same way you were before and you put it right back on again. Right. So it's important to realize that it needs to be a lifestyle change. It's something that you need to change for good and not really waver on. I mean, obviously once you're down to your goal weight, you can kind of be a little more relaxed with it and you can, you know, have some cookies here and there and that type of thing. But you should still be focused on like, okay, how can I prevent myself from just eating an obnoxious amount of calories every day and i've been realizing uh that i was eating an obnoxious amount of calories that's kind of surprising to me because you say yourself that you never snack so your meals consist of so many calories i guess that you're above the weight that you want to be right that's surprising i I, in that i have realized that i eat a lot at meals Mm -hmm. like we're roughly the same bill. I mean, you're yeah, you're improving yourself no, I'd more say than we I are, am definitely. right now. And we'll go out to eat together or we'll have a meal or something together 
and I see how much you eat, and I'm like, holy crap, I could triple what he's eating. Yeah. Like, I can just eat so much at mealtime because I don't eat in between. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm actively trying to change. I'm, like, trying to change my portion size. But that's so hard because I'll eat five or 600 calories, which is a normal meal for most people, and I'm, my stomach is still growling. Even I'm, after a certain time has passed? Yeah. I still, I'm still hungry. Like yeah. the entire day, I'm. Your hungry. body's used to it, right? So my my theory with that is that you have to retrain your stomach to only want that many calories, right? So maybe that will help. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that I'll my body will start to get used to the fact that I'm eating less at each meal. Yesterday, I only ate 1,300 calories or so for the entire day. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Um, I have been eating around. 17 or 1800 a day which is still below the recommended number of calories of around 1900 that has me losing around a pound a week so 1300 for a day is great yeah definitely Um, but that i was hungry (laughs) yeah i can't do that consistently that's like a once a week thing that i can pull that off but if you keep doing that you're less likely to actually feel hungry at the end of the day because your body gets used to it you know what i mean yeah a big part of it too has been is figuring out what foods you can substitute for the same type of food that are less calories. Like, for example, the other night uh, when we played Dungeons & Dragons, we had burritos before. Yeah. And those tortilla shells were 220 calories apiece. Did you have the hard shells? No, they were white flour tortillas. They were 220? 220. Just the... Just the shell. What? And I thought, like, Holy. I hadn't even ever considered that that might be an... Like, I never even considered to look at the calories on that package. And normally I'll have two of those. That's 440 calories in just shell alone. That's nothing else. Just shell. Yeah. And wow. then Cody was over and he he mentioned, he was like, you know, you could get shells that have a lot less calories than that. So he sent me pictures later when he got home of the shells that he has and they're whole wheat with flaxseed and flax is high in fiber. And you can actually re- uh, take the amount of fiber in an item, you can minus the amount of fiber out of the calories it reduces the calories of the item because your body doesn't digest fiber so those shells that he were eating ended up being like 100 calories wow 120 less so the next day i went out and i picked up a pack of whole wheat tortillas and they're 130 they're not quite as good as the ones he had because i couldn't find them but they're 130 calories versus 220 yeah so that's 90 calories per wrap it adds up it does it really does so it's learning those type of things those type of changes that you can make that allow you to save calories here and there Mm. and when i do feel snacky and when i want something in between meals i'm turning to fruit instead of crackers and stuff like that because chips and stuff have so many calories yeah and they're not they're not filling right they're just empty it's calories from fat a lot of times. The bad fat, too. I thought of this this morning, and I thought it was pretty funny. Like, when you overeat and you become overweight, you're choosing to be unhealthy and to put your your like, your like life at risk because you like a certain flavor in your mouth. Yeah, short-term it, versus long-term. Like, it's just like, yeah, I like I like that feeling in my mouth hole, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna eat a lot of that. I don't care if I'm fat because I like that, that yeah. flavor in my mouth. <laughs> Like, it's just such a weird thing. It is. And it's it's one of those things where there's so many issues in our society. I was just thinking this morning along the same lines as you, but with alcohol, we normalize drinking 
in excess mm. all the time. And that's a big issue. But another more fundamental issue is that there's not a hell of a lot of education about nutrition. Mm. It's not a basic class that you can take. You usually right. have to be in college and actually want to take that kind of class before you even learn about nutrition. Mm. And by that time, you've already built really bad habits. habits. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Those habits are something that, I mean, your parents help form those habits they as you, do. when you're a child. So if your parents eat unhealthy, you're going to like tend to eat more unhealthy. And if you're from America the chances of your parents eating unhealthy is extremely high. Greater than Very the chance high. of them eating healthy. Right. And this isn't to say like parents, you know, we're not blaming parents because everyone's a product of the previous generation. Right. That's true. It's just, I think that it should be a more fundamental part of our education because it is the basis of life. Your food what you're putting in your body, what's giving you energy. Right. It should be paired with like physical education in school. It should Definitely. be physical health and nutrition or something like that yes. where it's like half the time is devoted to physical education, the other half is devoted to learning how to supplement that edu that physical activity with healthy eating habits. I think it should definitely be a high school topic because Kids don't care. That's very true. And I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter as much for kids because they're burning so many calories every day because they've got so much energy. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not quite as vital that they pay attention to the number of calories they're ingesting in a day. But for high schoolers, that's when it starts to become important. Definitely. Talking about nutrition, I feel like we should have a whole episode based on that very soon. So before we keep going on about that, let's go ahead and go into song of the week joe what do you have for us this week my song of the week this week is kind of a double dip of sorts in that one of the artists in the track that i brought last week is in this track um, but the difference being that on last week's track he was just a feature he was uh the second artist in the lineup for i guess who who came up with the song uh, but this time around he is the primary artist and someone else is featuring in this track. His name is Weathan, and this song features Oliver Tree, who's a cool guy, and the name of this track is When I'm Down. So here's 30 seconds of that. Very nice upbeat sound. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. What did you bring? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Again, I, I know I mentioned this last week with the other track that Weathan was on, but he has a very cool way of using weird sounds to make beats catchy. That This one didn't have really as many weird sounds in it as some of his other tracks do. Um, but the vocal style for of Oliver Tree that, that he brings to the table, I don't really think is one that you would associate with the genre of music mm. 
Um, that his voice kind of comes across more like almost punky a little bit. I, I guess so. Yeah. Or I alter saying, or very alternative. Yeah. His style, his vocal style, complements the piano in the song. Right. I think. Yeah. So it's cool to see that he was able to turn something like that into more of like a dancey, like happy, bouncy song. And yeah. I, just, I, I can. I just appreciate that of Weathen that he's always. Um, looking to mix things up and make things sound different. Yeah, I like it. So that's what I got. What do you got? Well, this week I brought an upbeat song as well. It's almost to the point of confusion when you first listen to it because there's so much going on. It's very dense. And the lyrics are just out there and wild. So naturally I was really drawn to it. And it's called The Cult of Dionysus by The Orion Experience. And this was from an album that came out in, I believe, 2007. So here's 30 seconds of that song. So let's make a decision, start a new religion. Yeah, we're gonna build a temple to our love. Orgiastic dances, nymphs and chances. Yeah, we'll be the envy of the gods above. I'm feeling devious. Let's get mischievous and polyamorous Wine and women and wonderful vices Welcome to the cult of Dionysus Are you familiar with the band The Bloodhound Gang? Yes, I am. His voice sounds a lot like the lead singer of Bloodhound yeah. Gang. Yeah. And even like, like the, the beat of the song and the the melody kind of like reminded me of bloodhound gang a little bit. I just thought of that now while we were listening to it again. Cause you, I listened to it before we started recording. Yeah. But yeah, I can it, see that. It has that bloodhound gang sound. And if you said this came out in 2007, I, I think that was right around the time that I think like untis by the bloodhound gang. I think that came out right around that time. I don't know if you know oh. that song. Yes. I vaguely, I thought Bloodhound Gang, it was right around that time. I think they were a little bit earlier, right? I think so. I think Bloodhound Gang might have been a little closer to early 2000s, yeah. but it was still in that same area of... It was. Like, music hadn't really changed that much between when Bloodhound came out and when this song did. Right. So that about wraps up Song of the Week this week. Let's take it on into our main topic for the week, how to set realistic goals and we kind of touched on this last week when we talked about how to prepare yourself or how to get yourself in the mindset of setting realistic goals and we wanted this to fall into the same episode we wanted it to be one big epi but we realized that hey we can stretch this out over multiple episodes and string you losers along <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so that's what we decided to do but i don't really have a whole lot of notes for this first portion so i'm going to pass it back off to jacob to All right. get this party started so hopefully last week you guys listened to the podcast and really thought about who you wanted to be what your values were and started getting a general idea of the goals you wanted to set for yourself the purpose of this episode is more to hone those goals in to increase the odds of you actually achieving those goals. I think I mentioned last week how it's very important to set goals that you can measure, something that you can actually see. So you can't just say, I want to lose 
a lot of weight. You have to actually say, I want to lose 40 pounds. But you have to take it a step further and say, I want to lose 40 pounds by blank. You have to give yourself a deadline, which is going into creating value in your time, which we'll hit on a little bit later. Basically what this is, is taking these little bits of your goal and narrowing them down, kind of magnifying your goal into little bite-sized pieces. So you can start off by, okay, you want to lose weight and you have this long to do it. You can start by, if you don't go to the gym at all, go to the gym once a week. Or you can start counting calories. Or you can as, start counting as calories. As even a premature step to going to the gym. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's true. That would be the better first logical step. So you make the goal for yourself, okay, and this requires research, and I think this is why a lot of people fail, is they have a generalized goal, but they don't really have the know-how of setting an attainable goal because they don't know what's realistic. So do the research. And there's a lot of companion apps, for instance, like MyFitnessPal. Is an amazing app. Yeah. And that's what Joe uses a lot. I use it once in a while. Joe's really big into it. I've looked at other fitness apps and stuff before, but I always end up going back to MyFitnessPal because it's the best. Yeah. So that'll tell you. It'll ask a couple questions and it'll tell you what you should achieve per day for calories to hit a certain goal. So you can start out just like that by counting your calories to lose weight. And then if you decide that you want to go further, then you look at going to the gym or going even further with your calorie deficits. I'd like to mention that if counting calories even sounds like it's something that's too big of a goal, or too big of a thing to start with. You can even go even simpler than that by instead of, I mean, it, it still involves counting your calories, but instead of trying to count calories and stay within a certain goal for the first week or two or however long it takes you to feel comfortable, just count your calories. Don't change your diet. Don't change the way you eat. Just count calories. To see just, how much you eat. Right. Just yeah. the basic idea of starting to work towards your end goal. If your end goal is to lose 40 pounds in six months, you got to start somewhere. You're not going to start out by going to the gym five days a week, running 10 miles a day, eating 500 calories a day. And yeah, becoming, that's how you burn out. Right. You burn yourself out. Exactly. So if it takes two weeks for you to feel comfortable enough to start cutting the amount of calories you're eating, that's fine. Just learn how to count calories, how to do that reliably build that habit. And this is obviously just one example, but we have to take some sort of example to show you how to cut it down into Right, it was just goals. topical so, because I mentioned it earlier yeah, in this episode. And we're both kind of doing the same thing, so But you can apply this to basically anything in your life. Right. I mean, I've been wanting to learn Java, and I know I've mentioned that tons of times. I want to learn Java for Android. The book I have is 700 something pages long. Wow. I shouldn't look at that book and say, all right, it's time to learn Java. It's time to do this 700-page book. That's overwhelming. Right. That's not realistic. It's not realistic of me to look at the entire book and say, time to learn this cover to cover. The better way to look at it is to break it up into smaller segments. So take a look at all the chapters and 
create myself a little calendar of what date I want to be done, what chapter by. And it doesn't have to be one chapter a night. It could be one chapter every two weeks if that's what I feel comfortable with or if that's how much time I can find to devote to this goal. It just basically comes down to what you feel comfortable with. You don't want to start with a goal that you feel is going to burn yourself out because burnout is like probably the number one factor as to why people don't reach their goals. They try too hard out of the gate and they wear themselves out. And then they get really discouraged because they feel like they're weak or they can't do it. What's important is building that groundwork, building that foundation of doing, right? getting something done. And this again, circles right back around to no more zero days, getting something done. It might not be a monumental amount of that something. It just needs to be something, no matter how small it may be. Right. And I think this would be a good time to kind of go over creating value in your time because you mentioned it with splitting up your Java book into several different chapters and giving yourself a deadline. I mentioned it earlier, talking about setting more realistic goals from a generalized one. And it's what I'm trying to do by having myself go to sleep at 10 p.m. If you give yourself deadlines, that's what it boils down to. The time you spend during your day instantly becomes more valuable because you want to get something done by a certain time. We have an illusion, it seems, if you don't have a bedtime or if you don't have a certain time that you've need to get things done that we have all the time in the world. If we embrace the fact that we have a a limited amount of time, we have 24 hours in a day and only, geez, like 80 something years in our life to get things done, then those hours immediately become way more more valuable. valuable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think you mentioned this last week before we even recorded that episode. You talked about how we all have the same 24 hours. Yeah. Some of us act like we have all the time in the world, like you said. But in reality, you don't have any more time than the person next to you who's getting things done. So Mm. don't be someone who says, yeah, I got all the time in the world. I'll get to it tomorrow. Be the person that gets it done now. Right. And for me, I think this affects a lot of people. But what came to mind for me was me refusing to go to sleep when I know that I was tired at night. Nothing gets done, nothing of any value that I want to achieve gets done past a certain time. I'll say like, geez, seven or eight. (laughs) So, and there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of fun. Right. But if you're tired and you've been tired for two hours and it's 1130, you know you're not going to do anything else besides scroll through Reddit until midnight or 12.30. And then what did you really do? What did you accomplish? Where'd you hide the camera in my room? (laughs) Is there a camera in here? Have you been watching me? I do the same thing, or I used to. (laughs) And I probably will eventually go back to it. But everyone does. Come back to the dark side. That's what I'm saying. Well, and that's why what I was mentioning earlier about realizing that it's a lifestyle change is Mm. an important factor in all this. You have to look at it as not something you're doing temporarily. You have changed the way you sleep. Yeah. That is you now. You don't think about how, yeah, I'm just doing this temporarily to make myself feel better. Then I'll go back to the way things were before. Well, it is an experiment at the heart. But if I do like it and I like the results and there's a tangible difference in my energy, which so far 
signs are pointing to yes, it, it there is more energy, then I will incorporate it into my life. And I'm finding myself happier and more satisfied with the time I do have to play games and just browse. Why is that? Because I have less time to do it. So you enjoy the time that you have more because you have less of it? Yeah, even though I have even though I play games about the same amount, a little bit less, but about the same amount, I feel less guilty about playing games on like a core level. And I also just feel better and enjoy myself more because I know that I'm only going to be quote unquote wasting a small amount of time. Yeah, I can see that. Because if I've got a weekend coming up that Michaela's working Saturday and Sunday and I don't really have anything else going on, I basically know my agenda is going to be full of sitting around doing nothing, playing video games. Yeah. And I start to like not want to. Like, I hate like the fact that I'm playing video games by the end of the weekend. I'm like, I'm sick of this. I don't want to be doing this anymore. Right. But if I had a more limited amount of time and I was only doing that for two or three hours a day, which I know still sounds like a lot, but it's less for me. Yeah, yeah. Two or three hours a day, I'm going to enjoy that time more than if I'm just playing all day long. Like, I think it was this past weekend, I played Rocket League for like eight hours in a day. Mm -hmm. Just I was just on and off playing it all day long. And by the end of the day, I didn't want to play it anymore. It was making me angry. I was getting mad at it because I played so much. Yeah. I'd like to use this next point here as a segue into the whole idea of the two-minute rule. Earlier, we mentioned the 700-page book. I shouldn't look at that as one big thing that I want to get done. I should look at it as a, as a, you know, something that's broke, yes, broken down into smaller bite-sized pieces. When I was in school, this is something that I was always so bad at, a teacher would give me an assignment that was, that was due at the end of the semester, like a month and a half, two months away. What would I do? I would not do it until three days before it was due. Not even a week. I wouldn't even <laughs> give myself that much time. I'd, I'd typically end up doing it like three days before. Yeah. Even if it was like a 4,000 page paper with, I needed to have at least 10 different sources and it was like a long like research paper. I wouldn't start it till three days at most before. And I would always just induce this unneeded level of stress on my life. I was, I, I don't know. Like I, I could have avoided it. If I had just been smarter and broken it up yeah. and started sooner then I could have reduced a lot of stress in my life and probably had a better finished product. I mean, I still got all A's because I was I'm super picky when it comes to work that I do. I like it to be done very well. Yeah. So I would still get good grades. I just would end up pulling my hair out because I'd have to pull all-nighters to get some of this stuff done because I didn't leave myself enough time. I don't know how my stuff didn't suffer because of that, but I managed to pull it off. But that being said, I didn't need to. I put myself in that situation unnecessarily. So realizing how you can take something and turn it into smaller goals and getting to those goals in increments makes it a lot easier on yourself to stop that burnout that we have mentioned several times now. Say you want to go from weighing 200 pounds down to 170. Don't look at it as a 30 pound loss. Every five pounds you lose, treat yourself. Go get like an ice cream sundae or something. I mean, don't go all out. Right. But Make smaller goals and reward yourself when you hit those goals so you're less likely to burn out. Every five pounds, you have an ice cream sundae to look forward to. 
That's extremely important. In fact, one of the sections of notes I took regarding this was the fact that taking breaks has been proven to be extremely beneficial mm. in the long run because you're allowing yourself to slip up a little. You're allowing yourself to be human and indulge for a short amount of time. And it's it's healthy to feel a little guilty about it. For instance, this is a great example. I had a quarter pounder from McDonald's yesterday. How dare you? And it tasted Throw fantastic. it up. Throw it up right now. Throw it up. <laughs> <laughs> it was delicious, right? But my stomach was in knots for the rest of the night. Was it really? Because I hadn't had it in so long. I can only assume. You evacuated the McDonald's grease from your stomach. Yeah. (laughs) My stomach had time to, my body had time to reset. Get rid of the McDonald's. I reacted the way I should to McDonald's. (laughs) Right. And part of that experience was I felt a little guilty because, you know, I, I wanted to lose weight. Right. And here I am indulging, but... I forgave myself for that. It's not a huge deal. But I also had a physical reaction to it. And now when I look at McDonald's, I'm like, you know what? I don't. It was delicious. I won't lie. But I'm far less likely to get that now because I had that experience and I let myself try to go back on an old habit after a certain amount of time. Did I just... Did, are you saying that you're like starting to write off McDonald's? Uh, maybe not right off completely. A Jacob without McDonald's is not a Jacob. I know. <laughs> it's, it's true. Weird, it is man. a little bit part of my identity. Every which time is I drive by a McDonald's, I see that big M and I think, yep. Yeah, man, Jake, <laughs> Jake would love this. Jake would love to be here right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's true, man. I had McDonald's almost every day. Some sort of fast food almost every day for years it's probably why i got cancer it really is it probably <laughs> I don't is think why so. i don't think so there are so many other people out there that eat way more mcdonald's than you did are you sure oh yeah absolutely have you, Do you seen, know anybody have you else seen who eats as much mcdonald's as i did not necessarily mcdonald's <laughs> itself but like other indulgences yeah, and stuff yeah. like that like you had a bad diet Plenty of people have did. bad diets. A bad yeah. diet doesn't immediately cause throat cancer <laughs> or no. thyroid cancer, yeah. rather. But I I learned that I didn't care for that experience as much as I thought I did. And it gave me more fuel to keep going with my goal. So I know we got lost on a little bit of a, a tangent there. And I didn't really use what I was saying as a segue into two-minute rule like I wanted to. Um, basically... The amount of time you give yourself to accomplish something, I, I think that amount of time comes down to how much of a procrastinator you consider yourself. Would you consider yourself a procrastinator? Not nearly as much as I used On to On a be. scale of 1 to 10, 10 being you procrastinate literally everything in your life, 1 is you never procrastinate anything. What would you? Where, where, where would you put yourself? I'd put myself at about a 4 now. Now? Wow, yeah. that's pretty good. I'd say I'm probably still a... Seven. Yeah. If I if I had to pick a number, I I mean it's a little bit harder now um, because most of the stuff I do in my day to day life is like professional. It's my job, so mm-hmm. I can't really procrastinate as much. But I still somehow find ways to in my day to day life. I procrastinate things. Yeah. And 
that doesn't help when you're trying to set goals. When you're trying to pick smaller bite-sized tasks that you can focus on, procrastinating isn't going to help you get there because you're just going to put everything off to the end. So I did some research on how you can help stop being a procrastinator to actually make those goals a reality. And I came across this idea called the two-minute rule. And it goes pretty heavily hand-in-hand with No More Zero Days. And I know most of what we've talked about this season has somehow related to No More Zero Days. But I think that's because No More Zero Days as an idea is so broad. It is. And I think now we're taking uh, these last few episodes, we're taking these opportunities to discuss more in detail the the intricacies of No More Zero Days and how to help you from having those days. Um, So the two-minute rule is the idea that when you start a new habit, it should take less than two minutes to do. So this is a great way to break out of that procrastination cycle you might find yourself in and begin to work towards those small incremental goals. Basically, any habit that you want to do can be broken down or scaled down, rather, to a two-minute version. Instead of read before bed each night, make it read one page. Instead of do 30 minutes of yoga, make it take out my yoga mat. Instead of fold the laundry, make it fold one pair of socks. What you'll find when you create those goals, or those two-minute habits, rather, is that you're more likely to continue after that two-minute period. Like if you grab a basket of clothes Mm -hmm. that you need to fold, they've been sitting in the basket for a couple days, you pour them out on the bed with the goal or the or the habit of folding one pair of socks. You're going to fold that pair of socks, set it aside, and then be like... You're going to keep going. I'm not going to put all this laundry back. I might as well keep going. Right. But looking at it as I need to fold that entire basket of laundry, you're less likely to grab that basket and dump it out on your bed than if you're to just say, I only need to fold one pair of socks. Let me do that. So you just want to start to form the basis of a habit and good things will follow. You can think of it like you're creating a gateway habit. I know there's talk about gateway drugs and that type of thing. So you can look at this as a similar type of thing, gateway habit. Something small eventually leads to something bigger, almost always. One snowflake hitting the ground, I mean, that can turn into six inches or a foot or however much snow is coming down. So you just need to set that goal, no matter how big it is, and do it. That habit, rather. Mm. The hardest part of doing anything is starting it. And that's always been the case for everybody because we get into our routines. And our routine tends to not be things that we don't like to do. Right. You can't improve a habit until you establish its existence. You can't go from never folding laundry to folding 100% of the laundry that comes out of your dryer as soon as you do it. Right. Or as soon as you take it out. That's just... that's just not likely. It's not going to happen because you're you're set in your ways of letting that laundry sit around and folding it when you don't have any more socks to wear. You need to build the foundation of folding a few pieces of clothing when you take them out of the dryer, throwing the rest in the basket. Then maybe the next day you fold another piece of clothing when you're taking clothes out of the dryer and throw the rest in the basket till eventually you're taking them out of the dryer and folding them as you go. Mm. Another idea is to standardize, and, and this goes along with establishing a habit before you can improve it. Standardize before you optimize. And I like that idea a lot. You can't optimize something that doesn't exist. Optimization in and of itself means that you're taking something that isn't quite as good as it could be 
and making it better. So if there isn't anything to make better, you can't optimize. And getting yourself in the mindset of achieving goals takes optimization of what you're doing in your day-to-day life. So you need to standardize that. Um, programming has a has a good lesson to teach based on this idea. Normalization of code is when you keep everything you're writing consistent. If you need to create a new a new variable, for instance, and I know you've been learning the basics of programming. Yeah, so we this just should, get into some variables. This should sound familiar. If you decide to name that variable v underscore my variable, don't create another variable down the road and call it x underscore my variable two. That's not consistent. You should call it v underscore my variable two because you've already called another one v underscore. Right. Why would you purposely be inconsistent? If you don't keep your code normalized, when you go back through to optimize, you'll have to spend a ton of time rewriting code you already wrote to make it optimizable. So don't create habits that you're going to have to go back and fix. Don't start a habit knowing that it might not be a good one. I don't know. I just, I I don't really have much more to say than that. I mean, just don't try to create a perfect habit from the start, I guess, is where I'm going with that. In the little habits that you do start creating, if they make sense with each other, it helps. Kind of like with your variable. Right. Yeah. My, My example. Example, yeah. I don't know about you, but when I fold clothes, I was just thinking about this with your example and things like that and clean clean around the house. My goal is never huge, but then once I start, I don't even want to stop. Adrian and I both, when we start cleaning, we don't even stop until everything's done. Right. And it feels really good afterwards. And it's really easy to... Keep going to once keep you start. going. Yeah. And... I guess we're lucky because we both already are at that point. Yeah. But if someone's at the point where you were talking about where you never fold anything and folding one pair or a couple pair of socks is a step, that's still a very good step because you don't want to just leave everything laid out. Right. You want to actually make some progress. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here making the big goal turn into little bite-sized achievable goals that you can actually see and do in a short amount of time. Another good analogy for that is walking up a flight of stairs. Mm -hmm. If you're standing at the bottom and your goal is to reach the top, you can't step directly to the top. It's not possible. You have to take it one step at a time. It made me think of the no zero days analogy with being stuck in a vortex and you can never see yourself outside the vortex if you're in the middle of it. Right. You need to take the steps to get yourself out of that. I think of that the most, actually. Because it's that really hit home. Like, that was really true. Being in that vortex you of doing nothing. You can't see outside of it when you're in the middle. Right. You just can't. Yeah. Nothing seems good. And it's just... That was a very good way of looking at this whole attitude. So I'm really glad that that was our basis Mm. for what we're talking about. I'd like to read a quote from the page that I got this two-minute rule from. It's my last point that I have on this, um, but I really liked it, so I wanted to quote it exactly. So uh, I'll I'll leave a link to the page that I'm referencing in the description of this episode um, so you guys can read along because I skipped a lot of what was going on in this article. Strategies like this, and this being, you know, your your two-minute habits, work for another reason too. 
They reinforce the identity you want to build. If you show up at the gym five days in a row, even if it's just for two minutes, you're casting votes for your new identity. You're not worried about getting in shape. You're focused on becoming the type of person who doesn't miss workouts. You're taking the smallest action that confirms the type of person you want to be. We rarely think about change this way because everyone is consumed by the end goal. But one push-up is better than not exercising. One minute of guitar practice is better than none at all. One minute of reading is better than never picking up a book. It's far better to do less than you hoped than to do nothing at all. That's good. Yeah. Cast votes for the person you want to be. That's a good way to set those habits. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally looking at the example of going to the gym, the act of deciding to drive towards the gym instead of home at the end of your day. Yeah. Even if you just get to the gym and you pull into the parking lot and that's it. You drove to the gym. You're getting into yeah, the habit. Yeah, it seems silly, but that's that's really true. And then you'll find yourself turning towards the gym without thinking about it. And then you're like, well, I guess I can take the next step now and I'm go I'm here in. at the gym. I might as well go in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do it for you. Don't that's care. Very true. Try not to care about what the people around you might be thinking. They're going to see this weirdo pulling into the gym five days a week and then just leaving. <laughs> yeah. But at least you're showing up. You're yeah. casting votes for the person you want to be, that person being a person who goes to the gym. Right. Got to start somewhere. You do. So I'm hoping this episode really helped you guys find a generalized goal from last week. Take that goal and split it up into something that's more realistic. Maybe apply that two-minute rule to your life. And hopefully creating value in your day, making your hours really count helps expedite these goals and help you achieve them. So we'd like to ask you, what are those goals for you? What is your generalized goal? How can you break that up into bite-sized pieces that you can quantify and achieve in a day, less than a day or a couple days? It doesn't really matter. You just need to be able to see this goal. I think that is a great question. And I would really love to see our listeners input on that because we talked this week about how to create realistic goals but in reality the only goals we can really talk about creating are ones for the two of us and we've talked about those to death we've talked about getting in shape and being more healthy learning Mm. to program going to school we've talked about that to death so if you have a goal that you want to accomplish and you're not sure of how to break it up into smaller bite-sized pieces throw it at us. We can talk about it on the next episode. We can help you figure out how you can break it down into smaller pieces. And then if it helps as a form of motivation, we can like check in with you periodically and see how you're making improvements towards your end goal. Right. Because we can talk about ourselves, but we only have our own viewpoint. If we had like an outside source that we could like follow along with and see improvement over time, that could be pretty cool and help motivate others to do the same. And I think seeing other people's goals will make us better realize the scope of how this can affect people positively. There might be goals that we aren't even thinking of, that aren't even in the realm of how we're trying to apply them. Mm. And it will be cool to see how people take that with their own perspective and, and put a spin on it for their own personal use. Right. That about wraps up this week's episode. 
I know we're basically turning into a motivational podcast at this point. We do want to do some other segments. I'm really itching to do speed writing. It's been a mm. long time since we've done that. I've heard from a few of our listeners that they miss speed writing. So I'm thinking that maybe we do some of that next week. Maybe we get Cody on the show to do some this or that because I know we had fun with that last season. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to get back into some of the varying segments. I don't mind what we're talking about. And I know you guys don't seem to mind either because we've seen more interaction with our audience than we've ever seen before. Um, so we definitely don't want to stray away from that. But we also want to do some fun segments and stuff like that. So. Definitely. I think it's, I mean, it's just like no zero days in creating goals. We're noticing a lot of feedback or a lot more feedback and positivity about our no zero days right. kind of series. Mm -hmm. But we need to be able to take those breaks from that and do more lighthearted and fun things once in a while. And then we can go back with a fresh start and a fresh mind into this kind of thing again. Right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will catch you back here next week, episode 67. We're approaching episode 75. I know we've got eight more to go, but I mean, hey, we're getting there. Almost three quarters of the way to 100. Yeah, we're going to hit 100, man. I'm but telling you. I think before we go... The people are going to need one wise word. It's astounding to me. I'm not even lying when I say I forgot about it again. How do you always forget? You know I'm going to ask. Know. I need one I'm wise word. I'm glad I do because it's more genuine and real. Um, kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. <laughs> Look through that one little peephole and see... The brilliant colors and changing shapes that could be your life. Look into that one generalized goal, which is the peephole, and see <laughs> all the different stained glass, beautiful bite-sized pieces that come from that generalized goal. Yeah. That was what this was all about. All about. The entire time. From episode 60. Yeah. One. 61. <laughs> it was about the people. And coincidentally, about the people. You guys. So, there's that. All right. <laughs> Have a good week. Later days.